Hi, I'm excited about today's message. We're in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 of the book of Colossians. Paul finishes chapter 1, and we talked about it last week. He gave his goal for this church, for these people, these Colossian people. His goal was that they be presented perfect in Christ. Every man be presented perfect in Christ. Another way to look at that is that he was desiring for them to be spiritually mature in Christ. Spiritually mature. You and I need to be spiritually mature people. It's a must. It's a mandate that we become spiritually mature. He makes his case now beginning in chapter 3 in these first eight verses. And from a preacher's perspective, he breaks it up into three points. (laughs) In verses 1 through 3, he he shows his great concern for them. In verses 4 and 5, the reason that he's concerned. And then verses 6 through 8, the encouragement of his concern for them. But I want us to break this down and take a look at what a spiritually mature person in Christ should resemble. And in the first five verses, he gives us six indicators, six marks, if you would, of what a spiritually mature Christian should look like. Let's take a look at verse 1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never, who I've, who've never met me personally. I want you to underline and highlight in your Bible, agonized for you. What does it mean to agonize for somebody? Well, we're going to be doing that now. John's been in agony. Wondering. Worrying. We're going to cast those cares upon the Lord, aren't we? That's where you find relief. And when you're spiritually mature, you have a greater ability to do that. But he says in verse 1, his first mark of spiritual maturity is a deep concern For the brethren in Christ. Those brothers and sisters in Christ. A deep concern for them. How concerned are we? I'm going to be so ready for school to get back into session. I'm praying that our church will fill back up. Because you know, it just seems like with the summer, everybody makes trips. And and some folks who never miss, I haven't seen them most of the summer. And it's discouraging at times, isn't it? But how concerned are we? When you look around every Sunday and you don't see a person that you haven't seen in a while, how concerned are you about that person that you would make a phone call, send a note, say, hey, I've missed you on Sunday, praying for you, hope everything's going okay. Because, you know, that's, that's really showing deep concern. Caring for them. And we need to do that more. Paul set the example of spiritual maturity and he tells us that we should imitate him in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And his life was worth imitating. Can we say the same? Is our life, our spiritual walk worth imitating? He had deep concern. He even goes on at the latter part of this verse to say, even for those I haven't even met personally, I still have a great concern for them. So how concerned are we? Folks, we live in a country that we Christians, <laughs> and I say that term with fervor, we Christians, and 
There's not a whole lot of us. There's a bunch of us running, a bunch of them running around saying they are, but boy, you just wonder by their fruit if they are. Doesn't matter what political party you affiliate yourself with, it matters what allegiance you have to the cross of Christ. Because that's going to tell the tape, my folks, is what's here. Not what political affiliation you carry. Who cares? Because on Judgment Day, God's not going to look for your. Uh, uh, look for what card you carry. He's going to look for the blood of His Son, Jesus, covering your sin. That's where we find hope. But it's going to get rougher for Christians to operate. If you're not aware of that, you need to wake up. Start reading. Start listening. It's going to get tougher and tougher and tougher. If the hate crime bill passes that's on the floor right now, I will be against the law for me to stand up and say to you that the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. I can be arrested just like that for making that statement, even though it's true. But it's not a greater sin, is it, than adultery? Lying to your parents? Stealing? Is it a greater sin than that? Not necessarily. Because all sin is bad. But we've got to make some commitments, don't we? And we Christians need to be ready. And, we, and the only way we're going to be ready is to be spiritually mature. Second indicator. Deep concern for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Secondly, let's take a look at verse 2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. So a deep concern for the brothers and sisters, and secondly, a heart that is encouraged. Because you see, just as I painted a bleak picture for you, the way America's going, I'm also convinced that God is still on the throne. The thing that's interesting, if you'll read Scripture, God allowed His people. In the Old Covenant, it was the children of Israel. He allowed those people to do what they wanted to do so that God's will could truly be accomplished. They said they wanted a king, a handsome king, a strong and good-looking guy. So they got King Saul. That's not who God wanted. Have you read that story? God wanted a little shepherd boy named David. Why? Because he knew his heart. Because evidently inner character does matter, doesn't it? It does. But you know, God stepped back and he said, Do you want that one? Have at it. You know what he's done for us here in America, don't you folks? He's let us have what we want. And I'm not talking about our current administration. I'm talking about for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Because you see, Christians said, eh, you know, eh, yeah, no, it's not that important. Well, you know. <laughs> Don't get important. Because when you can't, by law, preach the truth of Scripture... What are you going to do? Oh, we'll go underground. Oh, really? Oh, really? 
Oh, they'll, they'll stop open meetings. We, we had no problem coming here today, did we? Nah, drive right in, find a parking place, park on the grass. It don't matter. Come on in. What have we got to hide? We've got to work at it a little harder. Oh, well, I don't know. Spiritually mature, they're going to do whatever they got to do because, you see, we got to have hearts that are encouraged. The King James uses the word comforted. God's will is that we serve Him with hearts full of comfort and encouragement. Jesus had that kind of concern in Luke 21 and John 14. And you'll notice on the outline i got bunches of scriptures. You need to read those, look them up, study them in your quiet time. you got to pray, sure, when I leave church, I ain't got time for this. Then there's the problem. There's the problem. I am going to put a little bit of responsibility back on you, okay? I study, I prepare, I get ready to share with you. I need you to go home and do a little bit of homework yourself. It won't hurt you. Well, I ain't opened a Bible out of church in years. Hey, wouldn't hurt. Get that big old thing off the coffee table, dust it off a little bit, and whoosh, open it up. There's words in there. Most of the big ones have pictures, too. Hey, if you don't do anything but look at the pictures, God bless you, you're going to grow. But a heart that's encouraged. Paul prayed for that in 2 Thessalonians 2. If you have a troubled, anxious heart, that's indicative that you need to grow and mature in your faith. Paul said it best in 2 Timothy. As for me, my life's already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of His return. And the prize is not just for me and for only, but for all who eagerly look forward to His appearing. And then I jump down to verse 17 of 2 Timothy 2. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And He rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from the, every evil attack and will bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. We've got too many Christians that are half world, half Christians. They haven't got the world out of them yet. They want everybody to say, that, you know, that look at them and they're okay. It's like we, if they don't want a drink, they carry a drink in their hand. It looks like they're drinking. So it looks good. So they're looking good among their peers. Hey, Throw it away and make no doubt. You still hang out with those people. You just don't have to be like those people. Somebody's got to drive them all home, don't they? It's scary when they get behind the wheel and take off. And some of them shouldn't be getting behind that wheel and taking off anywhere. All right. Well, you just, hey, come get the church bus and take them home in that thing. Got the name all over it, you know. That'd be good. <laughs> Third mark of a mature Christian is a heart that's knit together in love with other Christians. Look, at, look again in verse 2 when he says that. A heart knit together in love. Wow. Wow. I love you so much I want to be together. In my estimation, and I've been with you a long time, your pastor, one of the weakest spots in our church and, you know, I shouldn't I maybe say this, but it's true, is that we don't have that close-knit cohesiveness with each other. So that if we miss somebody, we're making calls on them. Hey, what's going on? I missed you, man. I missed you. Hey, what's happening? 
We, we tend to think, well, they'll come back around. Well, they'll show up again. Well, somebody, somebody will call on them. Are we knit? You see, if somebody's, if somebody's missing in your family, well, you don't hesitate in a minute to call them, right? Man, I mean, you just you drop everything. You want to know what's going on, what's happening. Haven't seen you. Yeah. Why don't we carry that same love for each other into the church? Love like David and Jonathan had in 1 Samuel 18. That these brothers and sisters in Colossia, Colossae had, according to chapter 1, verse 4. And so, how are we doing? Are we knit together in love? Oh, sure, when I ask you to help, boy, you're there to help. But it's usually in giving of money or something along that nature. But what about being so concerned for each other that you'll do something about them not being here? If you look around, there's people that I, I miss. I haven't seen most of the summer. I've called them. Have you called them? You call them. You call them. Fourth, Mark or sign of spiritual maturity, again in verse 2, is a full assurance of understanding. Full assurance of understanding. It's similar to having our hearts encouraged. We need to have a strong assurance concerning our salvation and ourselves. You know, you can ask people, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Not every hand's going to go up. Why wouldn't every hand go up? Well, you know, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm just not really sure. What do you mean you're not really sure? Well, I'm, 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 I'm. that's because, remember, we're living half the way over here in the world, and the other half we're trying to walk with God. Why don't we get rid of that part and get over here, and you'll be fully assured. Somebody walks up and shoots you dead, whoop, glory. I get to go to heaven. Isn't that what Paul said? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. How does how's dying gain? I've watched my mother's health deteriorate. Dying would be a gain for her. A gain. I don't want to lose her just yet. But I don't want her to suffer anymore either. She's got her heart ready. She asked me. She said, I, want, I was praying for Jesus to take me home. I said, the next time he calls, leave. The next time he calls, leave. Don't wait around here. My little sister, oh, don't tell her that. I'm... I said, yeah, I'm going to tell her that. And you are too. Come here. So I held her by the back of the neck while she told her, it's okay. <laughs> sure, assurance. How do we get that assurance? Well, the, obviously getting into the Word of God is important. First John 5.13 says, My little children, I've written these things to you so that you may know... That you have eternal life. Ooh. You mean you can know? You can know. But let me tell you how you, you get assurance. Assurance increases in you as you increase your depth in God. The closer and the deeper with God you go, it don't get it don't, nothing rattles you there. Well, I'm going to take all of your privileges away. Never had them to start with. 
I'm going to cut your tongue out so you can't speak anymore for Jesus. I still have two hands. I'll try to write. I'm going to gouge your eyes out so you can't see preaching to people. I'll figure out a way. Or, oh no, don't do that. I won't do that. Oh no, no. Hey. Because when you die, you don't need this stuff anymore, do you? It's on loan anyway. Out of dust, he created this. <laughs> he must have <clears throat> been down in Texas when he developed mine. He must have. I don't know why I said that. Never mind. <laughs> but that assurance, that assurance is one of those riches that we have, that we have in Christ. It's an assurance that if, if everything falls apart and if I die today, whoo, hallelujah, I can dance, I, I'll have a good leg, <laughs> I won't have to worry about taking blood sugar counts. I can have all the ice cream I want. I can have pancakes again with butter and syrup. Not sugar-free syrup. I can go to IHOP and have the Hawaiian pancake. Have you seen that commercial? Man. I know how to eat it, folks. I just can't eat it anymore. You with me? But that assurance is one day, I'm there. Live as though you're leaving here today. Live as though you're leaving here today. But that full assurance, the fifth sign is also in verse 2, a knowledge of the mystery of God. It's, It's What that is is an understanding of the gospel once hidden, but now revealed. Ephesians 3 talks about that. Romans 16 talks about that. It's a good knowledge of the gospel of Christ. And when you've got that good knowledge, it's essential to maturity in Christ. We have educators in our church, teachers, and there's certain fundamental things that they teach every year when they start their classes every year. It's fundamental truths. If that student learns the fundamental truth, guess what? They get it because it's gonna, that's going to build on what they get next year. And that builds on the next year and on the next year and on the next year. And so when they're seniors, like all of these scholars up here on the front row, any teacher in the district can ask them a question. Answer upon answer upon answer. They'll astound them with their knowledge. Or, or, let's see, I know I studied that, let's see, um, uh, yeah, 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 and that shows up on those ACT, SAT deals, you know, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, okay, and we're kind of leaning, looking on other people, yeah, not too unlike church and Christians, huh? We'll find one or two that are really walking the walk, right? And what do we do? Stay in their presence. We stay in their presence, hoping something's going to bleed off over on us. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we have to stand on our own two feet. Uh Uh-uh, that ain't no fun. 
a knowledge of that mystery. And it's really not a mystery if you have that relationship. You've got a clear view of what God wants. Are we increasing in this knowledge of the mystery of God? And now let's jump down to verse 5 for the sixth sign. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Good order, steadfastness of faith. That's that number six. It, that, and I love that good order. It comes from a Greek word called Texas. And what it means, it's a military term, it suggests men marching in proper order. I love to watch soldiers in drill. I mean, it's just crisp, precise. They don't miss much. Especially those Marines when they start flipping those guns back and forth. That's just awesome. Can you imagine how many times they got hit with the butt of that gun or the front of the barrel of that gun? You know, they, they sit there just in lockstep, and they're moving that thing down. They hand it to the to the uh, commander, and then he flips it back to another one. He did, they don't even move. They just go, catch it, you know, catch it. Wow. That's precision, isn't it? Watching them march, same feet, unbelievable. It's, it's just impressive. It's impressive. That's the way you and I are supposed to be. We're supposed to be so lockstepped disciplined in our walk with God that it's obvious what we are. Well, preacher, I like to have a beer every now and then. Fine, drink your beer. But there's a time and a place for it, isn't there? Well, preacher, I like to go to a dance now every now and then. Well, go dance. I like to dance too. It's not very pretty, but I like to dance. Well, a preacher, I like to go to the casino. I go to the casino. They have the best food in town. <laughs> I ain't lying to you. $20 for a buffet. <laughs> Forget that. That's what they charge you. I guess they get you drunk and, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> you know, because everything's about moderation, isn't it? But the bigger question is not those things. It's, will it harm my testimony? Will those that I'm around, will it affect them and how they view Christ? That's the greater testimony. It's like the parent that tells the child, do as I say do, don't do as I do. And you ever get that one growing up? Oh, brother. I used to think, that a stupid statement. But till I became a parent... And you're trying to teach your kids to do certain things. And what do they do? Look at you. Yeah. I tell them, go look somebody else. Good order. Those who are to be disciples of Christ are to walk a line and in a line that's expected. The Bible says, walk worthy of the calling that Christ has called you to. And that word steadfast, I love it. It's a great Bible word. Steadfast means unmovable. Always can count on you. Ed Lindsay said on this side of me today. I said, I can't preach today. Where are you? Get back over there. Remember July 4th, Brother Dee sat in the corner and held us down on this side. Everybody else abandoned and went over here. And Jeff Twilley said, yeah, I got coerced over there. I didn't really want to go over there. You know, because we get to be creatures of habit, don't we? Even at church. 
And you know what? Change seats every now and then. It's all right. I'll find you. Better yet, God knows you're here. That's what's important. Steadfastness. And I go back to, again, what I said a few minutes ago. Is there somebody you haven't seen in a while? Call them. Call them. And just, all you got to say is, hey, man, I've missed you at church. Now, they may give you a hundred million reasons why they haven't been there. Just get ready. Just get ready. And, and again, we've all got excuses for things that we need to be doing, but we don't do. Amen? Ooh, not so quick on the amens there, huh? Steadfastness, great word. And it's a word that goes right along with this idea of marching in a straight line. If one of those soldiers decided that he wasn't going to be steadfast or she wasn't going to be steadfast in their training ability, it's going to mess up everything, isn't it? You start throwing rifles back and forth with each other. And, 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 lock, and one of them's going, he missed four or five practices. But we throw him in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. You need to read the story about the soldier who marches at the tomb of the unknown soldier in, in, in Arlington Cemetery. That is the most powerful story. They take so many steps. They turn. Rain, shine, snow, doesn't matter. They have their time, and they march it. They stop. They'll march it again, and they keep doing that. And they, you have to be selected to be one of those people. Now, how do they get selected? Just any old boy will show up and say, hey, like March over here. <laughs> yeah, no. Can you imagine a freezing rain, March, you still march. You don't stop. And we've got young people like that fighting for freedom's cause for us. I don't hear much about them anymore, do you? I don't hear much about them anymore. But they're still out there. They're still out there. Steadfastness. How are we doing? What's our progress of steadfastness? What's our life of faith like? Are we wavering constantly? Do we just hit and miss getting to church? Well, you know, I haven't been out to the lake or I haven't been out to... You know, hey, fine, go on Saturday, but get in and come in on Sunday. You don't start till 10.30. Most places you can get up early enough to get in here. Well, I haven't showered. And they come anyway. We'll put you on the back. We can... Stink at the Better yet, come to the front. Nobody's up here, so come on. <laughs> it's like the preacher one day. He was uh, at the church, and he heard the heard this yee whoosh yee whoosh. He goes out and looks up, and there's three or four boys up there jumping in the baptistry. He goes, "Boys, what are you doing?" He says, "Hey, we go to church here, preacher. This is our swimming pool." <laughs> so. Hey, if you need a place, come on, we got water. Come on, come on. We'll throw you some soap and let you get after it. Just come on. Be consistent in that. I've had people probably the last, I don't know, the thing I've heard the most in the last two months is, oh, I just, I know I need to be there, but I just haven't gotten, gotten out of the habit. I said, well, won't you reestablish the habit? That's pretty easy too, isn't it? If you stopped one, then start it again. It's pretty easy. How steadfast are we? I'm running out of time. So let's get on to... Those are the six signs of spiritual maturity. Let me tell you how to make it happen. Three, three ways he tells us in verses 6 through 8 
uh, taking steps to be spiritually mature. Number one, look at verse six. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. You are, first of all, need to receive Christ as Lord. Now, a lot of people have received Him as Savior. Not necessarily so many established Him as Lord. Because when you signed on to the kingdom, you signed on to the kingdom. You signed on to be obedient. How do I know if you're, if you're living that life? If you're obedient and following His commands. True. It's true. If you are what God says you should be, then you will do what He tells you to do. Someone turned in a prayer request a week ago and said, I just wish I, I, my faith was like it was when I was a teenager. Boy, that's true. Because back then, you know, there's, life isn't as cumbersome. And as you get older and you have children and you get married and those either work or they don't work and you have to work to survive and ah, <laughs> bills pile up. Do mine. I throw them up. Which one hits the floor first? They get paid. Due dates? Give me a break. I missed one of those due date things. Jacked up my interest rate to 32%. I called them. I said, is this for real? Well, sir. I love it. I love it. When they, well, sir, give me a break. So I paid it off, and they said, well, would you like an extension? I said, you know what? Shred this. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you know, we live in that time. So he needs to be Lord. Lord in our finances, Lord in our marriages, Lord in our child rearing, Lord in our, our obedience to parents. He just needs to be Lord. Colossians had begun to do that. That's why they were the type of church they were. God wants to be and wants us to put Christ as both Savior but also Lord, according to Acts chapter 2. And until we make sure that He is on that throne, things aren't going to be the way they should. Secondly, and Paul, by the way, describes what that looks like in Galatians 2.20. So take a look at that one. Circle that one. Take a look at that one later. In Galatians 2.20, Paul describes what that having him Lord of your life looks like. Okay? Secondly, verses, uh, we pick up verse 7 along with verse 6. So then you, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We are secondly to walk in Christ. Receive Christ as Lord. Secondly, Walk in Christ. So many people have Him, but they're not walking in Him. They're just playing at it. They're, I, I like what Brother Russell used to describe him. He said they're, they're spectators. So many people who go to large churches. And, and you know what, folks? I'm tired of telling you that. People who come to small churches just are spectators. Because it's just people in general to go to any church. They just go to spectate. They just go to watch. They don't go to get involved. Because if they get involved, and the smaller the church, the more acute those involvement options are. Last week I mentioned, well, sure we'd like to get our flower beds and our stuff. Hey, somebody caught that and said, preacher got it taken care of. I don't know if you've even noticed. Man. I walked around and went, whoo. We got the electronic piano, thanks to your generosity. 
Phyllis played it, and she looked up at me, and I said, I'm going to go try to pay for this. I, I left her. She's in there tinking around, budging buttons, and I thought she didn't want one. <laughs> she said, can I really have this? She's like a little kid. She said, can I really have this? I said, yeah, you can really have it. But you know, got it, brought it back, unloaded it. Guy walks in the door, and he goes, you know, I'm looking for a piano, preacher. You won't believe it. Same day I brought this in. He goes, I'm looking for a piano. He got one for sale. Or he said, do you know where I get one? I said, I got one right up there. Wrote me a check, took it away. I said, thank you, Jesus. Hey, how about that? We came out like bandit on this dude right here. <laughs> That's God, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Walk in the walk. Walk in the walk. But look what he says in verse 7. Rooted. If you're going to walk in Christ, here's what you're going to look like. Rooted. That means foundation, source of nutrition comes from Christ. Secondly, it's just built up in Him. Allowing yourself to become the kind of building that He would have us be. We are the building of God. We are the house of God. He wants to do something great through us. Let Him do it. Thirdly, strengthened in the faith. Well taught, grounded in the teachings. I'm so encouraged by so many are coming to the adult Sunday school class. Don's doing a great job, isn't he in there? Those of you that are coming, he's doing a great job in there. Have you noticed at all the parallel between that in Proverbs and what I'm preaching to you in Colossians? And you know the interesting thing is that he and I met for about three months in prayer and had lunch together for about three months straight wondering, what are we going to teach now? What are we going to teach? I just asked him one day, brother, you want to teach this summer? He goes, sure. And then God laid on my heart this sermon series. And oh, my goodness. Look what the Holy Spirit's doing. If you're missing out on that study, you need to be here on Sunday morning, 930. Oh, man, that's early. Ah, you'll be at work tomorrow at 7. Walk the walk. Oh, okay. I'm regressing. Let me go on. Overflowing with thanksgiving. Have that attitude of... Have an attitude of? An attitude of? And an attitude of? Yeah. Get up every morning and say, Thank you, God, for the day. Good morning, Lord. Or, Good Lord, morning. <laughs> There's a big difference. <laughs> Amen. Get up and greet the Lord. It's hot. I don't want to greet Him. I know. I know. But get up and thank Him anyway. Because football season is coming soon. <laughs> I've got to brag. We have sitting in our church right here the number number five defensive lineman in the city metropolitan. It's because I padded his stats last year, so he looks good. <laughs> I'm taking full credit for him. I'm now his agent, so any of you want to... <laughs> overflowing with gratitude. Rooted, built up in him, strengthened in faith, overflowing gratitude. And then lastly, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and, ba and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. Thirdly, beware. Receive Christ as Lord. Walk in Christ and then beware. Because there are charlatans out there. False teachers out there. Oh, I know that's news to you. 
I know you're going, really? Yeah. They're even preachers. What? They're not telling me the truth. I don't know. I read an article this week where a lady, her hus- she and her husband had started this huge ministry in Florida. Huge ministry. They had a divorce. Church went down substantially in attendance and offerings, I'm sure. And so now the woman who left, who was the spurned one, I guess, she now is coming back home, she says. She's taking over the pulpit back there. Hey, let's see if that thing just goes, wow, and the money flows in. You see, if you haven't got things right with God, how can He bless you? How can He bless you? Beware! Beware! To grow spiritually, we must beware of the dangers that hinder our spiritual growth. And there's a bunch of them. <laughs> I don't know if I can... I, preacher, I, I don't have a quiet time with God. Shame on you. Preacher, I, I, just, I don't think I pray more than just at the meals. Shame on you. We have a prayer ministry going on here every Thursday, 11 o'clock. I know a lot of you working. I got you. But some of you aren't. You can come up and pray. Well, I, I just don't do that thing. Why not? Why not? I walked in last Thursday when they were praying. I thought the revival broke out down the hallway. I know when they're really praying because I didn't hear them. <laughs> Sometimes they start shouting and hollering. Diane runs out with her hands up like this. I'm, whoo, watch out. Geneva's in there with <laughs> dragging her back in there. So, no. <laughs> Now, they have too much fun. But they're talking to God. They're having a great time with the Lord. Beware. Zeal to grow can easily be misled by false teachers. And those teachers will promise easy routes to maturity. There's not an easy route. There's not an easy route. If you want to learn it, spend the time learning. There's not a cliff notes to the spiritual maturity. Well, that's dating me, isn't it? <laughs> and sometimes negative preaching needs to happen. I need to remind you about hell. I need to remind you that you're not where you need to be. Just so you can say, hey, there's maybe a little more I need to do. Next week, I want to give you some of those false teachings and doctrines that the Colossian church was facing. And... Uh, didn't give much true value to their life, but they were trying to get them to fall away toward. But I want to start, I want to stop this morning and just ask two questions. Number one, why should we even be concerned with growing in spiritual maturity in Christ? Because, because in Him, according to verse 3 of our text today, are hidden all the true treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And secondly, because He has warned us what will occur if we do not mature and bear fruit. And that's in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And it says in those verses that we are to grow in Him. And if we don't grow in Him, then it says that He will cut us off And throw us into the fire. Wow. So if you're not producing fruit, if you're not bearing fruit for God, 
cut you off, throw you into the fire. Whoa. So you got to be producing. Second question. How does one initially receive Christ as Lord? Well, in Luke 6 and Mark 7, or Matthew 7, it talks about doing what God tells you to do. And part of that, part of that, is includes repenting and being baptized so that you can receive remission of sins. And you can put on Christ, according to Galatians 3 and Acts chapter 2. Father, I ask you this morning to move among us. There are people in this room today that need to know that you love them, that you have saved them, and they can be assured of that. They, they made you their Savior a long time ago, but maybe they're struggling with making you their Lord. Boy, today would be a great day for them to draw that line in the sand and say, today's the day. It takes great courage, Father, to do that, and I pray you'll give them that strength. There are others in our room that perhaps don't even know you as Savior. I'd love the opportunity to sit down and talk to them and teach them in Scripture. Because we're taught to, we're told by you to teach, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them more. 